We are carrying on in our series of James. It's a little book, um, but it carries a big punch. And it's really, there's a, there's some controversial issues that are covered in James. And, uh, it really, it seems controversial because it goes against our own flesh nature. Anytime, anytime you've got spirit going against flesh, this flesh wants to rise up and say, I want my will. And the spirit of God is drawing us going, hey, I want my will. And so we've got these two wills that are drawing us. And James, a pastor of the Jerusalem church, the, the brother of Jesus, kind of jumps in there and says, hey, I, I've got something I want to say to the believers at the uh, in the Jerusalem church and others. <clears throat> And we've gone through chapter one and we started, uh, we went through chapter, uh, started in chapter two last week where we looked at favoritism. And, uh, there was no way that I felt confident enough to be able to cover all of James chapter two in one setting because it's so rich and so powerful. And so we're going to start off today. Last week was favoritism. This week, it really has to do more about, you know, faith without works, but it really, James is trying to encourage uh, people to faith, to get your faith in action. Like th- it should be something happening. If you've got a genuine understanding and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's something that's going to stir in you, that's going to ma- motivate you to do something differently. And we're going to start off in uh, in verse 14 of James chapter 2. If you're watching online, you can open your Bibles there or you can use your Bible app because we know that's there. Just don't get distracted by anything that pops up, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or anything. But you just stay focused with us. And um, so we're going to start on verse 14. And uh, it says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And he asked this question, Can such faith save them? Now, that is it's it's not the most controversial statement or verse in the new testament but it's close and because it almost seems as if james is saying that we're saved by our works and so when you look at this passage and when you look at we're going to sit here for just a moment on this verse first because it is so rich and it has so many implications for our individual lives and our our church body lives and if i look at it we have to look at and say, maybe this is seemingly contrary to what Paul says. And let me say that there's a little backstory here that's not really always uh, communicated when you read a, when you read a verse. You don't know. Okay, so James, many people, depending on what religion you come from, some believe that um, Mary didn't have any other children. They're entitled to that. Praise the Lord. But I believe, as I've studied, that he did have that Mary did have some. Other children, four boys, in fact, as I study. And then also um, that uh, that James was a pastor. James, um, uh, a contemporary of Paul. Actually, people don't know this, but James was actually Paul's pastor. Because Paul came in late into the game just the same way James did. And so when you look at these two men of God that God used to, to initiate and start the church... Um, this was the really first church in Jerusalem that, that started as Messianic believers. They believed that Jesus was the Christ. And it's so funny as I look and think about James, James had to come up and deal with the struggle that his, his older, his, his oldest brother was indeed the Christ, the Messiah. He had to come to terms and grips with, he didn't do that until after his resurrection. And so, um, when we look at James and we look at Paul, these two men that we're going to look at some of their, 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 their writings and some others, you have to ask yourself, Paul, who has stated, I mean, we're going to look here in just a moment about how we're saved by grace. You have to ask what, what was, was, was there a conflict between the two? Was there something going on behind the scenes where Paul goes, I don't think so, James. And James, well, I don't think so, Paul. Like we do sometimes at home when you got brothers. Anybody got brothers where you like, I don't think so. I don't, and you kind of go at it a little bit or sisters, come on, help us. You got brothers and sisters. It, it can get interesting, but these two men who were contemporaries and who were, um, literally taking the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. There's, there's a fact that maybe gets missed sometimes. 
that just like James was a little late in accepting Christ, Paul was a little late accepting Christ. Paul, if you think about it, while Jesus was doing his ministry here on the earth, Paul was being trained and had been trained as a Pharisee. And so everything Paul was hearing from Jesus and hearing about Jesus, he was filtering it through his understanding of the Old Testament as a theologian, as a Pharisee in training. And so he, he was trying to reconcile with the fact that this man is a false messiah. And James is coming from a different perspective as the brother of Jesus. And now Jesus was estimated about 10 years older. But coming from that perspective, he's watching his older brother and not in a daily basis. I don't know if any of you have been, you know, you were born a little bit later than your your siblings. Uh, I know my mom, one of the funny things we always do is um, I've got a little brother that was born seven years after me. And my mom sometimes will go, you know, Matt's friend, uh, so-and-so. And I'm like, mom, <clears throat> I love you. Matt was 11 years old when I left home. His, his teenage friends, I know some of his little friends, but I don't know all his friends. I'm, I'm just not that acquainted with all of those. And so James, you know, watched Jesus, but Jesus was gone when James, he, he was coming up and, and looking and he experienced him, but he still didn't come to that place that my brother, he's got some incredible things to say. Mm, but I'm not sure he's the Messiah, like the Christ, the one anointed to change things, to really, to, to break the power of sin over people's lives. And so as a result, after the resurrection, you've got James who comes to saving faith, and you've got Paul that's pursuing people because of their faith in Christ, wanting to arrest them because they believe in Christ. And so you have these two men, Paul, uh, James who comes to faith after the resurrection, Paul it was a little bit later on the road to Damascus wanting to persecute believers where he, he realizes, uh-oh, he gets, quote, knocked off his donkey and said, whoa, he gets confronted by Jesus himself in a vision and he comes to saving faith in Christ then. And so you got these two men that God's using to, to start the church. And so James makes this statement as the pastor of Jerusalem and Paul had started many churches out of there going out and and to the gentiles and all over to start churches and paul writes this to one of his fellow uh one of his young men a pastor in training titus in titus chapter 3 verse 4 and 5 um, paul writes to titus and he's in verse 4 he says but when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So Paul here says, guess what? God, you did it, man. I, you did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Again, another very powerful scripture that's used a lot. When you bring up James chapter two fourteen. this one usually comes up in comparison and it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And so Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, this faith is not even from yourself. Even that is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So you see this kind of dichotomy that's going on, this kind of tension of James is saying, Hey, uh, do you... This faith, uh, you, you, you claim to have faith, but you don't have deeds. Can that faith even save you? And Paul's saying, hey, we're saved only by the grace of God, by the work and the, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I don't think it's really that big of a conflict when you look at it, because if we look at the, at verse 14 again, he makes a statement. He says, my brothers and sisters. So if I had to break it down real simple, James is talking to believers at the church of Jerusalem. And he's got some situations that are going on in the church where people even address it in chapter one. He had a problem that we still have today. People like to hear stuff. <laughs> Come on now. 
Anybody, I know some of y'all are way too old to, to remember the telephone lines where they click and have everybody listening in. The party lines as they were. They listen, uh oh, what, who, who's saying what? People love to listen. What do you think? Facebook and all this stuff. There, some of y'all right now, y'all probably even online, y'all probably scrolling instead of listening. Y'all probably got me online and you got it in the ear, but you're still scrolling. We like to see stuff. We like to know stuff. We like to do that. And, um, <clears throat> When we look at this and we say, when he says, my brothers and sisters, he's referring to us in the church. And the church they had, this problem was, they had a problem of hearing and not doing. Like they were great listeners, but Paul says, I expect when you hear something, you're supposed to do something when that happens. That there's supposed to be a natural flow when you hear the word that it transforms something. And Paul is saying, hey... Look, before you even worry about doing anything, you need to be reborn. Like Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man be born again, he can't even experience the kingdom of God. And so it's amazing when you look at it, it's really just two different people they're talking to. James is talking to his believers, the flock that God has raised him up to to, to shepherd. And, and, and Paul's talking... To everyone, man, if, if you're in here today or you're listening online and you haven't come to that place that Jesus is who he says he is, this is a great day to kind of really lean in and say, is he really that good? And I'm telling you, he's really, not really, he's not that good. He's beyond that good. And so if I could say it this way, if, and we go back and we say this whole thing, can such faith save you? This word saved, it really has more than just one meaning. We always like to think of it because in the English language we say one thing, but it can mean many things. And so in the Greek, when you look at this word saved, it means saved from the penalty of sin or my past sins, which we call justification. Just as I am. Like sitting right here, sitting right there, wherever you are, when you place your faith in Christ, when you say, Lord, I recognize that I have blown it, that Lord, you paid the price for me. Lord, I accept everything you've done. And Lord, I give you my life. That is the moment where justification kicks in just as I am. You didn't have to do anything. There was no works involved. The, 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 the work that Jesus did on the cross and by rising from the dead was full payment for everything. And then there's another part that says that, that saved, I'm saved from the penalty. I'm also saved, um, from the presence of sin. And that's what we call glorification. Now we all look for that day and we've got some of our believers and fellow believers that are already there. Some of our loved ones, there's no sin. There's no, they don't have to experience any of that. The whole presence of sin has gone. They're sitting in the glory of God right now, experiencing what you and I are looking forward to on the, on the day where either we get to go see him face to face or he shows up and it, like this way or we go that way. Either he comes down and says, hey, y'all come on up or we go up and say, hey, we're here. And then the third one isn't really the one that we're talking about today is it's the power. He saves us from the power of sin. And that's where we deal with today. So like all of us, either listening online or hearing this thing, we deal with things that that kind of eat away at us. Like we make mistakes and we sin. And so I know that that that's where God's given us his Holy Spirit. And we're not going to turn there, but in John 16, Jesus told us that he was going to give us the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit for convicting of a sin of righteousness and judgment. In other words, he said, I'm going to send you one that's going to get in your business. He's going to mess with you. So when you do something, you ain't going to feel so good about doing that. And so I say to each one of you, if you've ever done something and, or there's something going on in your life and it kind of messes with you and you go, man, I, I don't feel so good. Good. Cause that's how you know the Holy Spirit's going, I ain't gonna let you, I ain't gonna do it. It's like your, it's like your mom and dad. They wouldn't just let you go on a, on your own way and say, here, go ahead, do whatever you want. No, they disciplined us as they saw fit. So they could, they say, man, I, I'm for you. I, you're part of my family. I want to see you succeed in all that God has for you. And so with that, that, that's where Jesus said he gave us that. So it's that power to convict us of that sin and also of righteousness because everybody knows, everybody hears with full knowledge of the things we've done wrong, including me. And so there's only one righteous, there's only one righteous one, 
And that's Jesus. So the Holy Spirit says, hey, you, you ain't good enough. You're okay. You ain't that good. Jesus is that good. And so he convicts us of that. And then he also convicts us of judgment. All of us know, and there's people that have tried to reason it away that there's something that comes after this life. Like when I take my last breath and there's books that have been written, all kind of people, even secular ones where people kind of go, what happens with what's life after death like? And some say, oh, it's nothing. You just go to sleep. And others go, nope. And different ones have shared, you know, near-death experience or after-death experiences. And, and Jesus said the Holy Spirit convicts us of, hey, there's more. There, there's another one that's coming, this thing of judgment, that there's going to come a day we'll give an account for our life. And so when we look at this whole thing of, of faith and works, we have to really, instead of it being kind of like, where, where Paul says we're saved by grace and James says we're saved by works, really to believers, it, if I could break it down real simple, it really has to do more with fruit, like fruit in our lives. So, so it would say this, I would go to Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20, and Jesus is talking here, James's older brother. And by the way, let me say this, after James came to faith in Christ, if you go through his letter, he began to quote his older brother. He's just be going to say, man, that guy, he, he knew what he was talking. He was, he is the son of God and everything he shared was truth. He was the embodiment. He was the incarnation of the word of God. And James starts quoting his brother. And so that's what he says. Jesus is talking in verse 15 of Matthew 7. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are uh, ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not, uh, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And he says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And he says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And he said, every tree that does not bear Good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. And it says this, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. So when James is talking to the believers, he's saying, hey, there's going to be something that comes up and it has to do with our faith is important. Like it's the foundation, but it is going to motivate us to do it. There's going to be fruit that comes out of our lives. And I just want to ask you real quickly, what kind of fruit you develop and what kind of fruit is coming out of your life? And when I say fruit, I mean, what's coming out of your mouth? You know, what, what are your hands involved in doing? Where, where is it that you're, 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 you're applying your efforts? What is it that, that God is doing in and through you? When we were, when Richard was leading worship and he was saying, Lord, I want to talk about worship and I want to be like in the home and all in our community. I was like, yes, Jesus, that's right. It's like not just sitting in a building. It's like outside of this building. What fruit am I developing? And so, there's three types of faith real quickly that I want to look at that I believe Paul addresses. I mean, excuse me, that James, I'm getting these two. James is addressing in chapter two and starting in verse 15. The first one he talks about is what I refer to as dead faith. It's dead faith. It's like, what's this going to do? And so in verse 15 through 17, he says this, suppose a brother or a sister there again, He's using the terminology family, believers. He's not saying just somebody. He said brothers and sisters. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace. And by the way, one of you of the brothers and sisters, one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need. What good is it? In the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, there is a, I believe with all my heart, when somebody prays and gives their life to Christ, I believe there is a divine exchange. According to Jesus, Jesus said if we hang on to our life, we lose it. If we lose our life for his faith, for his sake, we find it. And so when I give Jesus my life, I say, Lord, I did it. You know, 34 years ago, I said, Jesus, man, I have made a royal mess of this life. I've shared with you and I don't mind continuing sharing with you because it's, it's my testimony. I got arrested on Friday. I got out on Saturday and I came to this church. 
on Sunday, February the 9th, 1986. And I said, Jesus, I have made a royal mess of my life. Lord, if you can do anything with it, here it is. It's yours. And since that day, I am amazed. I'm astonished at the grace he continually gives and the power he continually supplies to help make a difference in the lives, not only of my own life, but in other people's lives. And so when he talks about this faith that it's got to be accompanied, it's, he's quoting Jesus in Matthew 25. We're not going to go there. Remember, Jesus was talking about the sheep and the goats and they're standing there and they're going to be judged. And, and Jesus makes this. He said, hey, y'all come on in. The sheep, those are on my right. Come in. And he said, you know, I was uh, I was uh, uh, hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison. You came and saw me. And, and the, the ones I was right say, when did we do that, Jesus? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. You demonstrated your faith by what you did. And so it's a, it's amazing that we've got to make sure that we're activating what God's done inside. We keep it fresh. We keep it going. We don't just sit on it and listen and not activate and do what he's called us to do. I like to put it this way. I know um, I'm not advocating credit card use. Um, I don't have to because right now I think the average debt on one of those in our country is probably growing every day right now because of all that's going on. But anybody that's ever got one, every so often, for you know, you'll get a new one after yours about to expire and you'll get it in the mail and it'll have something on the front of it that says one eight call one eight hundred so and so to activate this card. Now, if you go to the store and you give them this or you're online and you give them it, they're like, sorry, that ain't going to help you. Sorry. You, you can do it, but it ain't going to help you. And that might be a blessing in disguise, but that's another, that's about that. We'll, we'll share that for another time. But for this morning, you got to call it and you got to activate it. And when you call it, it's now, it now can be used. Now I know there might be better analogies, but for this morning, for our purposes, God wants us to activate the faith that he's already doing. So it's got to translate into, it's called, it, it, it compels me to do something for my fellow man. I, I, I had the blessing this past week. I, I mean, I love to help people. Everybody knows that. I, I love God more. I've had people that have said, you know, look, you do so much. Like, oh no, I can't ever do more than what he's already done for me. And I'm so thankful he's given me this life and given me this ability. But this past week, I was able to help somebody. They were on the final stages of trying to get their license back. And so I, I was able to transport them to court. And uh, we went over to Darien. And, and I was going to walk up to be there to character witness because this young man's done very well with his life. He It was in a very dark place. And by God's grace, God kept pulling him out. And he kept surrendering to that. And now God's been doing a very restorative process. And as I walked in, um, they said, hey, sir, who are y'all? And he, he, he had a reason to be there. And I'm like, oh, I'm just Mark Lynn. I'm his pastor, but I'm here to, to testify on his behalf. I'm going to say how good he is. And I'm going to say what God's doing in his life. And they said, well, that's nice and all, but you can't go in there. I said, what? They said, you can't go in there. And I was like, but I even used, anybody ever pulled a name out? Like I use the chief police's name. I said, well, the chief police, he told me to, to, to do this. And they said, well, that's all nice, but you can't go in there. And I had my mask and I had, I had this stuff on. And they said, nope. I said, okay. And they said, well, you can either go wait in your car. And I said, well, well, what if they need me? What if, what if they call me? They said, well, you can stand right here. And I said, well, I'll just stand right here then. So I, I stepped back away by the door. And as I'm standing there, um, I wait and, and nothing, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting the updates or anything. They don't have it on video in there. And so as I'm waiting, um, and it took a little while, uh, and I'm listening to them. It's funny what they chatted about. I was like, oh, kind of, hey, so. But as I'm standing there, this young man comes walking in and he's obviously late because court began at 1.30. Now it's about almost 1.50. He comes in and he's got shorts on. He does have a polo shirt on with a, with a collar and he's got tennis shoes and he comes in, he comes running in. <sighs> he said, man, I made it. And they said, sir, you can't go in there like that. And he said, what? He said, sir, you, you can't go stand before the judge like that. He goes, but, 
I just drove from Macon, Georgia. And he goes, and I've got a case. And he said, I need to, I need to do this. I drove all the way here. And they said, well, sir, um, you're still not going to get to do that. You're going to have to reschedule. He said, I got to drive all the way back down here. And so as I'm sitting there listening, I said, hey, man, what size waist are you? And he said, what? And all of them looked at me. I said, what size waist are you? He says, I'm a size 30. I said, well, that's a little smaller than mine. But hey, I've got some pants in the car, brand new, if you'd like a pair. He said, what? And they said, what? I said, well, I've had them and I meant to get them hemmed. You know, some of us, we have to do that from time to time, not to tell them myself. But uh, I need to get them hemmed and I hadn't got them hemmed yet. So I said, but they probably fit you. So we went out to the car and I got them and got them thing. He went in the back. You know, they didn't even need to be him. Man, they fit him perfect. Kind of on there. He got to go. to go. Now, I didn't stick around to find out what happened. I just said, Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. As he walked in, I was still waiting for the gentleman that I was that I was there for. And one of the officers said, why did you do that? I said, well, don't I don't think you know it or not. But while we we're out there at my car getting the pants, I said, hey, has God ever spoke to you in a very personal, private way? He goes, what? I said, has God ever spoke to you in a very personal, private way? He goes, I don't think so. I said, well, he's doing that right now. <laughs> I'm a representative saying God loves you and God is for you. And I said, the only reason I'm here is because of God. And he loves you enough to have me sit right here. So you ain't got to drive all the way back to make it come all the way back. You get to enjoy that. God bless you today. He said, well, thank you. So I'm saying to us, we have to be open and ready. Otherwise, our faith will be stifled. It'll be, you you don't get to experience the benefit of it. And I'm challenging you. I want to challenge everyone. If you'll begin to get active with what God's called you to do and just make each little step that he lays out there for you, your life will begin, you'll get to experience things like, Wow, God, you used me. Man, I I drove home from there like, wow, thank you, Jesus, that you would let me bless this young man to be in that place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So that's that's this thing of what we call dead faith. The second one is, and you're going to kind of find this a little shock, but it's called demonic faith. You go, what? Mark, you talking about faith in demons? I said, no, that's not it. It's faith of demons. And matter of fact, It says so. Matter of fact, in the very next verse, the two verses, verses 18 and 19 of James chapter 2, look what it says. It says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Because after they were talking about, you know, the faith without works, he goes, you have faith, but I have deeds. And then it says this, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And then James makes a statement And I I think he was kind of proud of him a little bit, like, whoa. He said, you believe there is one God. Good. Good for you. You believe that. And then he goes on to say, even the demons believe that and shudder. Like, so you believe there's a God? Good. The demons even believe that that Jesus was the Son of God. They actually knew it. They had, man, they had good, demons were good theologians because when Jesus was walking on the planet, And Jesus would come in contact with those that were demon-possessed. In Luke chapter 4, verse 41, it says this, while Jesus was uh, was healing people, going about and doing miracles, it says, Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. Look at that. They, They knew He was. You are the Son of God. But He rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. And so Jesus said, It ain't my time yet. Hush. I'll let you know when it's time. I'm not going out. It's not time for everybody. I'll be the one to control the narrative, not you. And so then again, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with me, with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And he says, I know you are the Holy One of God. Listen. Our faith has to be much more than mental assent. It has to be much more than me reading the Bible and trying to, uh, okay, I'm studying. I want to know more about the Bible. There has to be a time where you go, 
I'm trying to discover Jesus in the Bible, not just simply the words that are in the Bible. Not If I don't find Jesus in the scriptures, then I'm just studying and I'm getting a mental ascent. I'm giving a mental, uh, a mental practice, but I'm not demonstrating what Jesus has done in me. And so there is a time where, where James is saying here, look, it's, it, you, you got faith, good, and you believe Jesus is the Son of God. That's great, but it's got to take it to the next faith that James, which is the, the one he's getting to the whole time, and that is demonstrated faith. Where he where there's a demonstration of that God has done something in people's life. And he actually uses two people in the Old Testament that would have been very familiar to everybody in that day that was listening. In verse 20 through 25, he makes the, he says this. He says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Do you want to know what that looks like? Talking to believers here. I've got to keep us on point because he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. Those who are showing up Sunday after Sunday walk out of here and do the same thing Monday through Saturday. That I'm going I'm to come in here. I hear good men. Come on, church. Come on, pastor. Say something I really like and I love it. And make it funny. And I, woo, I'm a, I, I want you to enjoy, but more importantly, man, I want you to get the fact it's, it's not what you hear and hear. It's what you demonstrate out there. And the reason I say that is there's a world waiting to see the sons and daughters of God to rise up and really demonstrate the love, the truth, the grace, the power of the gospel in action, not simply in these four walls, but out there where they get to experience that in a very real and powerful way. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He goes on to say, what not was not our father Abraham? He breaks out Abraham. So every Jewish person that would have been there like, Abraham, 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 he used Abraham. Because he was the father of the Hebrew nation. He was the one that God, was, was, he used him to initiate, to start their nation. He goes on to say, Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. It says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. He's saying this in this manner, that Hey, you believe and you've got this relationship with God? Well, it's going to show itself in action. Now, many of us know because of how wonderful we've been trained that Abraham, when he, when he was called, he was, he told, God called him out and said, look at this, Abraham. Hey, hey, I know right now you're in this land of, of earth. This, you're in, you're a bunch, you're a bunch of, uh, you're, you're amongst a bunch of idol worshipers and, and, and all these straws. He says, I want you to come out with me and look up at the stars. I want you to look up. And Abraham said, yeah, okay. I'm looking up. He says, you see the stars? He says, yeah, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than them. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And through all, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so they're, they're hearing this from James and they're reading this. And it's a powerful thing because Abraham you know, he tried it once to, to ha- make it happen on his own, just like we do. So he was up in age, and um, he's like, God, um, okay, when you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a child, I mean, it's a little late. I don't think that's going to be able to happen. And God said, look, don't you call impossible what I call possible. And he said, okay, you just trust me. And then it even got more fun when Sarah heard it, and Sarah goes, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> She started laughing. She goes, yeah, you, you, you having fun now, God. You just, you having fun with it. But because God, because Abraham and, and, and even Sarah believed, they had an Isaac. Before they tried, I, Abraham and Sarah tried to figure it out on their own. And they got, uh, they got Hagar, her male, her maidservant, to have a child and had an Ishmael. How many of us have many try, many times tried to figure things out on our own? Saying, God, I got it. I know what I'm doing. I'll take it from here only to create an Ishmael that we have to fight and battle a lot. God said, I've got a, I've got a son of promise. His name is Isaac. And I, I'll do what I say I'll do. And so as he did that, Abraham had his son Isaac. And this son Isaac, he goes, hey, 
I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, I know many of us today in this culture, we don't understand sacrifice that much. Like for many of us, if we had to go out in the in the barn and get a chicken and uh, (laughs) wring his neck and put him in boiling water and pluck him and feed him, uh, probably be a little bit of a bunch of hungry people right now because we weren't accustomed to that. And so when they said, I, when he said, I, I want you to, I want you to sacrifice your son, Abraham knew exactly, like, you want me to kill my son? This is my son of promise. This is the one that you're going to do this through. Abraham said, you know what? It makes absolutely no sense to me. But God, I trust that even, he even had this in his mind, that if you command me to kill him, you're strong enough, you'll bring him back to life. That you'll do more than what I can even think. So he believed him and that's what made him righteous. The next one that he uses. So he uses Abraham, the father of the faith. And then he goes. And I think he, I think James did this for my sake and for others that have kind of lived less than a, a, a perfect life. Because <laughs> you got Abraham's like he believed God. He's, he walked by faith. And then he goes to this, this next uh, Old Testament um, uh, figure. And he goes, in the same way. Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Listen, he went from Abraham and he went all the way down to the prostitute. Now, listen to me. I'm not making fun. My heart goes out to what's going on right now. In our world, we do have a thing where we do have human slavery still going on today, where we have women who are being traded for money. We have, and, and I get it, I've heard all the arguments outside the church, inside the church. Well, you know, they make choices, make, make decisions. I said, it doesn't matter. It tells me one thing, that we as a nation, we as a people, have gone so low that we think, wow, I can use people in that manner. And we, I believe James, prostitution was there too. It's like, here it is 2,000 years later, still dealing with it. And I believe he did it for one reason, for me to go, hey, you had kind of a rough past. You kind of been into some stuff, kind of did some stuff, and you don't think you get, hey, look at this girl. Not only did he use Rahab, but anybody that knows her story is pretty cool. Because the children of Israel were going to take over the promised land. They'd already been marching in the desert for 40 years. Like some of you, you might have been marching around, sitting in church for 40 years, still waiting, God, what you want me to do? It's like, you don't have to do that. God wants to use you right now. And, and as a result, so the, he sends two spies. Joshua sends two spies into Jericho, the, the first city with a big wall. So they get in. And by the way, just like today in different cultures, when you go to a different culture, I've went over to India a couple of times. When I walked over there, I didn't look like them. I walked in there and I had my... American clothes and some of the guys, they got on these, you know, long robes and this stuff. And I'm like, got head wraps on. I'm like, hey, how y'all doing? And it's different. When these spies went into Jericho, they knew who, who who are these guys? They, They look a little bit different than us. And as they did, they went in and uh, they recognize it and the king shows up. So first of all, they they went to a prostitute's house, which by the way, back then they would have known that it, it kind of boggles my mind a little bit. So y'all are going to the prostitute's house. And I, this is my own, this hadn't been theologically, this, but my own thing would be like, let's see now you go in there. Not a lot of people talk about what happens in there. <laughs> we'll just keep that, you know, that old saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But what happened in Jericho in that little room didn't stay in Jericho. It actually came out of Jericho and became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus because of her faith. They go in there and the king comes and knocks on her door and said, hey, we know some spies came in here. You give them to us. Where are they at? And she goes, oh, she did. Well, she did kind of. She goes, oh, you mean them guys? (laughs) Oh, them. They went over. They went that way. And so they took off and then she looked at him and said, I know that your God is the true God. And I know that he's going to take over this place. And it had already been confirmed in her heart. God had already spoke to her, but she had to have action. And she said, look, I will, I will do this. I will get you out of here. I'm going to leave a scarlet rope right here outside this, my window. 
on the outside of the building, which is where they let those people stay. Because it's like if we get see, if we go under siege, they go first. You don't get the inside. Kind of like on a cruise, not you get you don't get the the one where you go out walk on out on the deck. Go, hey, I feel the sea breeze. Some of you got to get down below deck. And you're like, oh, I'm not going. You get the inner ones. Well, Rahab's on the outer wall. She goes in and 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 they said, I'm gonna leave this scarlet letter. When they show up, sure enough, they decide, hey, that's her, and she does become. God uses her to do more than what anybody, than she even thought possible. So she comes back to Israel with him, marries this man and has a son called Boaz, who is the husband of Ruth, who then goes down the lineage and, and then has a, 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 a Jesse, and then who has a David. And so she's the great-great-grandmother of David, the greatest king of Israel. God knew what he was doing, and it took faith on her part to enact what God had already spoken. So... This isn't a matter of, for us today, the faith we're talking about, this demonstrated faith, is for those who've already placed their faith in Christ. And it, it compels us, as I said, to do something. And here's, here's the verse 26. It, it ends with this. And he says this statement, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. He didn't say that, hey, with the... That, that I don't get to go to heaven. It says this, that, hey, you're going to show up and there's going to be nothing to lay at Jesus' feet. This isn't a, this isn't above the sun issue. James is talking about a below the sun issue right here. That just as this body, when this spirit's gone and, and, and you see that, hey, Mark, you hear, you know, the body leads, my spirit leads here. Woo! It's going straight to him. So the faith without these works, the faith itself is not going to produce anything here on this earth. And I got a little, uh, diagram I want to use that I actually this is fresh hot off the press I don't know how it's going to work but I was uh, I was headed to the church and I got a call and I need to go back home and get something and as I did I looked and right I go over two bridges towards my house and uh, there were people on this beautiful sunny day that were putting kayaks in the water right there on the bridge and I was like oh that looks like so much fun oh I got I got to stay focused but as I did, I watched one that was in there and they started struggling. I was like, the paddles, the, the paddles. So on my way home, I said, wow, I don't have a, a kayak paddle. So I called some friends of mine that are watching online and uh, uh, Jason and Stella Langley. They were so gracious. I knew they had them. And I said, hey, man, y'all got, y'all got some of those there, um, those uh, kayak paddles. And they said, yeah. I said, can I gr- come by and just grab one? And if I were to, if you're, if you use a kayak, you know that if all you do is you have faith and you paddle in one direction, whoo, whoo, watch out, <laughs> whoo, you know what you're going to do? You know what you're going to do. You're just going to go in circles and you're not going to enjoy that very much. Circles, whoo, circles, whoo, I want to go somewhere. I'm just going in circles. Or if you say, hey, I got work, so I'm just going to work. I'm going to work, work, work. You're going to go in a circle and you're going to sit there and go in a circle. And it's not going to be that exciting to you. Just going in a circle. Many people's lives, even in the church, you feel like you're just going in circles because you haven't united the two together that you want to take and you want to unite these two faith with works. When you put them together, you sit there and you go straight. The one that was out there, they were struggling. They were like, Woo, okay, they're going. What that does. Oh, I got it upside down too, don't I? Thank you, Lord. Um, what that does for us, church, is if we'll use our faith with our works, if we'll allow the faith that God's given us to compel us to what He's called us to do, I believe what will happen is, and this is for you, I believe you will be a person that gets so excited when you wake up in the morning God will transform your have-tos into your get-tos. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody, got, oh, I have to get up. Oh, I have to. I have. All of a sudden, instead of a have-to, you get, I get to do this. Father, you let me do this. God, you would be so gracious in this community right now, in what we're going through. I know there right now, those who are listening online, it's a struggle that you're not in this building. And I know those here that we've, we're walking through this, it's a struggle. 
But I believe with all my heart it's not simply for this building. It's for what happens outside this building. That God, you want to use us right now. I, we're praying as, a, as, a, as elders and as a, a body of believers. Lord, how can we have a greater impact? One way is we are remaining of our loaves and fishes. If you're listening online, our loaves and fishes is opening. Uh, it'll be there. Please come over. The only reason we we decided for for a sitting in this size is a group of a hundred or more. There is ninety nine percent chance, ninety nine percent in this culture we're living, that somebody in here is infected with the disease, and if it spreads, it gets people. And, and there again, many, many, many. Uh, I've watched so much about it, and it's good. But really, to an individual that's struggling with it, if they lost their life and it was because of something I did, that would be a struggle for me. I'm going to tell you. But I say this, that there are more ways that we can we can reach out to people. Like when you leave here today, you're going to go and probably get something to eat. Maybe you hadn't thought about it, but there are people that, you know, they don't they don't get very much because people haven't been coming. Maybe you need to give an extra tip. Maybe you need to give a little bit more and say, hey, you know what? Even if it's a drive-through. Or maybe it's something that when you're in the grocery line and, and maybe you don't feel compelled to wear a mask. And that's, that's definitely your prerogative. That's, you know, until, you know, all that that's going on. But maybe just, just a little simple act that says, you know what? I don't really, I'm not afraid, but for your sake, I'd be willing to do a little simple thing like slip something over my face. Or it may be like when you're in line where you just kind of smile and kind of, you know, or kind of be kind to those around you instead of like, you know, kind of, whoa, keep the distance. I did a wedding yesterday. I, I saw friends I hadn't seen. I went up, hey, how you doing? I didn't go up and say, hey. Normally mine was like, hey, what's up? I was like, hey, how you doing? What's up? How you doing? We, we, we maintain distance. Maybe it's something like we've got a hospital down here that has 60 people right now. And there's a nurse, a nurse corps that is going around the clock trying to make that maybe there's there's something we're praying about what can we do to strategically supply meals or supply encouragement to them that as they work we're with you we're not against you we want to help you in that so james used a little simple thing is hey somebody needs some clothes somebody needs some food have you checked on your neighbor have you called a friend maybe it's on facebook while you're scrolling and posting maybe you look at somebody and say man i just love you God bless you. I don't agree with everything that you say or everything, but you know what? I love you more than what your your little statement says, more than your post. I'm connected. I love you. And so I want to challenge us this morning to do that. And I, I would I would say this: if if you're still online with us, you're here with us, and maybe you've never had that quote, faith that says, "Man, I'm changed." God, you, you changed me from the inside out. Maybe you've been trying to live a good life, but you really know inside that there's something missing, that, you know, good's just not good enough. This would be a great day to say, you know what? It's not about my goodness. It's about His goodness. It's not about what I've done. It's about what He's done. And Lord, I want to connect with you more so than, than me trying to go on my goodness. I want to go on yours. And this would be a great morning. I can't think of anyone better. This is the day he's made where we could connect with him and say, Lord, I give you my life. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. I want you to, if you would, believer or those who would like to do that, I'm going to ask you to do that. And then also, I'm going to pray that, Lord, and ask you that you would pray with me, that you'd ask, Lord, give me eyes to see. That, Lord, I wouldn't simply be a hearer. In Matthew 13, Jesus said, they're always hearing, but they're never hearing. They're always seeing, but they're never seeing. In other words, God wants you to hear, see, and then act. And go, man, somebody's life is going to be different this week because I get in it. In a good way. Like their life is going to be different because, God, what you're doing to me, it's going to happen. Their life's going to be much better because you put me on their path. You put me across their path. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I would just ask, just close your eyes for just a moment. This is my way. Nothing real super spiritual about it. It's the only way I know that we can be alone in a crowded room. That's what 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So he actually 
Paul told the Corinthian church, hey, check it out. See if there's, are you relying on your own strength or have you leaned into the grace of God and said, Lord, it's all what you've done. And if you've not done that, if you've never done that or it's been a while and you've been leaning on your own strength, on your own ability, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now this prayer out loud and say, Father God, I ask you in Jesus' name to transform my heart as an act of my will I give you my life. It belongs to you now. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. And you died a cruel death for me. And you were raised from the dead so that I could have new life. As an act of my will, In a step of my faith, I receive your life. Holy Spirit, come in and transform me on the inside. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, you're online. Do me a favor. Fill out that card. I'd love to follow up with you. Or if you're in here and you prayed, we got a card. Fill that out. I'd love to help with next steps. Also for us here, and I'm going to close with this and then bless, do the Father's blessing over us, the high priestly blessing. Would y'all just open your hands to the Lord as in surrender and say, Lord, I want to be used by you. Just pray this with me. Father God, I am your servant. I've given you my life and you've given me yours. And as a believer, as your son or daughter, whichever it may be, Lord, I want to be used by you. I don't want to be just a hearer. This week, open my eyes, open my ears, that I could be assertive and attentive to those around me and give me the ability to act, to transform people's lives on your behalf. Lord, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm going to ask those here and at home, if you would, keep your arms open. I'm going to, you can stand up if you like, but I'm going to bless you. And I'm so thankful for you and be listening out this week. We're going to be getting online and sharing some more things that we believe God wants to do to help transform us as a body believers, to make a difference in this earth. God wants to use us to do that. Praise the Lord. If you would receive from him, Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people, that your name might be placed on them and you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.